Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A dream mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time, and feel more fulfilled, working with me will support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and please share this podcast with a friend. Welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. Today on the show, I have Ash Kumra. Ash is a host of a national radio show called Entrepreneur Nation. It's in Southern California. It's on 88.9 FM Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. But he's also the CEO of Youngry, and he's a meditation coach. What's up, Ash? How you doing? Hey, man. I'm so happy to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to learn more about Youngry, the radio show. The, you know, I know you're super into mindfulness. But I think there's a, you know, we've talked before and we just kind of clicked and a, and a lot of good things came up. And I think I learned a lot from, you know, a 15 minute conversation we had. And I'm really excited to share your story with the listeners. Bro, I'm so honored that you had said all that. And I'm so even more honored to be on the show. Uh, this, you know, you have some amazing messages and I saw some of your segments and I'm so glad that our friend Raquel had uh, introduced us together. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've actually, everybody she's introduced me to has been amazing. And it's, uh, it's been one of the best connections. So we're both connected with uh, a really, a really good person who's making some great connections for both of us. It seems like, do you think that's uh, a, do you, do you think that's a good advocacy of law of attraction? Just curious. You know, it could be law of attraction. I think that when we, when we level up, you know, when we level up, whatever it is that we're leveling up, um, and we really embrace it and we start surrounding ourselves with new and different people that it's only natural that then we would be connected to new and different people. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. When I used to, I used to open restaurants and bars for a living and I knew everyone that owned and operated a restaurant and a bar. And now I know no one that does that. (laughs) It's a little disappointing when I get, when I want to go out and be taken care of, but I know all these people in personal development and entrepreneurs and people that are, are doing things that I'm more focused on now, not better, but different. And I mean, for me, these are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. You're the kind of person I want to know that I want to learn from that. I want to share with, you know, I want to meet the people that you know, and I would love for the people that I know to meet you. Okay. No, I like that. I like that philosophy. It's like a, you know, being one other degree for another degree from another degree and you want them all to be connected together in a way. Right. If, I mean, if we can help each other and I think that when you do what you do and we'll get more into that and what I do, the idea is to help people, right? If we're not actually, there's, there's better ways to make money. There's a lot of ways to make money that you wouldn't actually have to care about human beings. Um, But if you're in a space where you're actually working with people or on people or trying to help people, you know, if you're not surrounded by good people and we're not trying to help each other, then what's like, what's the point? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, man. And you know, one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, if you ain't, if you ain't giving, you ain't living. Cause really at the end of the day, for me, at least, I, I think I, I think like many entrepreneurs, you go through that like roller cycle effect, you go through these ups and downs and cycles. And I think oftentimes the cycles happen is because you don't know what you really want. Like sometimes you think you just want to make money to survive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you may you want to do something because, oh, I'm solving a problem. Or sometimes you become, 
I don't know, evangelical or spiritual. And you're like, Hey, like I got to solve the solution. That's God's calling or spirit calling or from divine. If you're atheist, whatever it is. And I think because you are sometimes in these different states or these different wants, whether it's the money, whether it's, you know, solving a problem, whether it's, you know, spiritually divine, or even if it's ego fame driven, that's when you go up and down. So what I'm trying to believe and what I try to live and share with others is that like, find that, find that one path, like find the real reason, go deep inside your psyche, your center, whatever. And once you know your real reason, you're going to have a better flow. You're not going to be going through this up and down spiral. You're going to be going down to this constant state. And I think that's the, the goal for any entrepreneurs to find what is that constant state, which will be resilient and stuff. How did you find is I mean, is this how you find yours how, or how did you find it? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so it's funny. I, I was hanging out with some of my uh, boys, um, you know, few weeks ago you you have those friends right like they don't give a rat's you know what of what you are externally they don't care about <laughs> anything they just know you as a goofball and they'll just find ways to pick on you you know what i mean uh, yeah, so cool. so one of them just decided to pull up one of my old like ted speeches tedx talks and man i was so like i was so um, cocky in that speech not gonna lie and they just beat it up and it was such a like eye-opener of like how even myself went through a change where I thought I was doing stuff for external reasons, but as I did more external stuff, I just felt more empty inside. And when I felt more empty inside, I guess you could say I was more toxic or more destructive to all relationships, to my own self, to my relate, you know, people that I was work collaborating with. And I think I reached that critical point, which I'll get to, you know, follow up questions, of course, but yeah, I have experienced what you had just said. Well, you, I, I mean, I actually just want, I want to hear more about this. So, cause what I heard you kind of say is like, Hey, you were, you were doing well. You had just, you know, you'd watched yourself or you had done this TEDx talk. You're creating success. And yet it almost sounded like while you're creating the things you wanted, you were feeling more and more empty or there were things that were absent. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And I think the reason why I was going through this is because I was trying to be someone for different reasons. One day it was because of the money. One day it was because of a solution. One day it was because I'm trying to be crushing it. And as I kept going through that, I was going through this up and down spiral internally, mentally, you know? And one day, I think when I was reaching a lower point, I said, like, what is going on? Why? This doesn't make sense. And then, and then, something re- then something hit me that, you know what? I'm not doing what I'm truly meant to do. I don't even know what it is still. I mean, that's what I was saying to myself at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just started to really recognize that, wait, what do I do when I get stressed? Like on a personal level, I like calm myself, I meditate, or I'll do some, you know, mindfulness type of stuff. And so for the first time, as like I'm on wearing my business hat on, I decided to do that. So what's going on with me professionally? And then like, as I went through that, I realized my calling is something bigger and deeper. And yeah, that's kind of how I had to do it. And, you know, offline, you and I chatted about like, you know, what is something that I live for or something others should know from our conversation or conversations after this. And I really believe that um, getting over that failure and starting to embrace things as a growth lesson instead is the way to go. And why I bring that up is because if I didn't see this lower brink of okay, I need to grow myself or I'm, or man, I failed and I got to do this right. Then I'd be going back on that spiral. Instead, when I realized I needed to go deeper, I acknowledged that, Hey, this was a growth lesson. This wasn't a failure just because I'm on this lower side of myself. And that's kind of what I learned from that experience onto what I'm now doing and working on in the future and stuff. Well, since we didn't, we didn't dive fully into it. And I told, you know, I, I shared who you are and what you do, but I, I really would like to hear more about like what you're creating and what you're building. And then we can kind of dive into the journey about how you got here and how you've shifted and changed things about yourself and your life. Can you talk about like, what, what is younger? What's the goal? What's the purpose? Like, what are you, what are you doing with the, with your brand and your company? Okay, sure. So one of the reasons why I asked you early in the conversation about law of attraction is because, um, when I realized at this one time that, okay, I need to make a change in my life. So I started to get really into mindfulness. I started to really get into meditation and I further than, than I normally would. And I started to like journal and realize, okay, 
I need to make a shift. What do I love to do? That was the first question I asked myself. And the first question is, okay, well, I like to do speaking. I like to communicate. I like, like you, I like to share things that I learned. I'm the person who would like send you that text message of some weird article that's affirmation based or law of attraction or some cool positive thing, you know? So that was like my personality. So I knew I wanted to get into media and then I didn't know where else to go from there. I have a vision board. I put something that I wanted to build a business that can change lives. And then serendipitously, one of the people that I did an interview for, for a project I was doing was my partner now for younger, my business partner. And it was interesting because he was like, I heard you interview me, you know, when we inter- when I interviewed, let me repeat that. When I met with him and I did the interview, he's like, look, I already knew who you were. I've been following you online. I read your book on entrepreneurship and I want to help change lives too with, you know, mentorship and things. And so he had come up with the name Youngry. And originally we launched this in like early 2016 and it's evolved. I mean, right now this interview is in February, 2019. And what I would say is that Youngry started off as a digital content destination for all things entrepreneurship. But then one thing we realized is that people love mentorship, like people who love our articles are reading mentorship based articles. And when we hosted events to kind of connect entrepreneurs, people are like, we feel connected with others based on our experience or people who we can learn from. And so we've shifted the brand into this, what I call a 360 mentor platform. And what it means is uh, we put on offline events like mentorship, matchmaking, things of that sort. Um, we're putting on conferences. So at fall of 2019, we're doing a huge inclusive entrepreneurship conference. That's going to be a national based conference in SoCal. And in the near future, we're creating a digital mentorship app that's going to connect people kind of like I use Bumble where you swipe left, swipe right, geolocation, kind of like Bumble meets Uber meets mentorship. That's going to be the younger mentor app. That's all I can say right now. It's going to be sick. Nice. Yeah. And then, and like, how did you, I mean, how did you guys even get to this? Like, what were you doing before? What's your, you know, what did you, how did you even get there? Like, how, where did this all come from before you guys even met, you know, before this was an idea? What's your background? Yeah. So my background was in media and tech. So I was doing work in what's it called? Um, kind of like digital media, doing film content, film distribution. This was in the, like the, later 2000s, like seven to 10. And what was interesting about that is that I really understood how entertainment works, how pop psychology, pop culture works. Like I was doing film distribution for uh, digital independent films and things of that sort. And around that time, um, this was the start of that emptiness I was trying to tell you about, like where I was crushing it financially and building a business. And I even got to do a cool TEDx talk, which is what my friends had bashed, which I mentioned earlier. And I just felt like, okay, this is weird. Like, I'm not feeling right about this. And so I started to study like deeper into myself, like meditation and Reiki and energy work and stuff like that. Um, Cause I was exposed to it growing up and I just wanted to like go deeper into it. And then when I got into that, I started to really understand that like everything's about law of attraction, whatever energy you give out there comes back to you, whether it's good or bad. And if it's something that doesn't happen directly at you, um, it's a growth lesson, you know, things of that sort some of the earlier stages of what I'm sharing with you. And I got really hooked onto vision boards and I actually helped co-found a large, uh, vision board destination, um, which is still around dreamitalive.com. It's funny. I was like looking online today and I happened to remember that I, we have a padded on digital vision boards and dream boards. It was like a big part of my life, but those three years that I was with that company taught me about like you know, law of attraction, self-help, because I was doing a lot of content. I pushed out over 300 interviews on Dreaming Alive with like people like Michael Blair Beckwith, um, other people from The Secret, other self-help people. And it was like a great growth lesson. And this was all helping me go realize that I need to go on a deeper path pre-Youngry, I guess you could say. Were you, I love that. I mean, you just, there's so much. And I think most people know what a vision board is. And I think most people know what law of attraction is at this point. Like it's because of things like the secret, it's yep. really permeated our society. A lot of people don't believe in it. A lot of people don't practice it, but I think people for the most part, and I think people listening to this podcast know what it is. Um, but I am curious, like how you would take you, you've brought up, you know, vision boards a couple of times. And I think a lot of people make vision boards and I'm kind of curious, like, is there a right and a wrong way to make a vision board? Or is there like a more empowered way that maybe, 
like I don't know or people don't know as somebody who seems like you might be the expert on vision boarding. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm more about you doing something that you can actually follow. I think that's the only criteria I'd give for a vision board. So like if you're like, if you think that you are going to be making a million dollars, but you're starting to make like $10 a day or something, you have a very extremely low income like job situation and you want to go from like zero to a million or zero to a billion, I would suggest you'd stage it where you do zero to a hundred thousand, hundred thousand to a million, million to 10 million, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's, so that's why I bring that up is because I think you should constantly update your vision board. I think sometimes people do that annual, Hey, I'm going to do it on new year's Eve or Hey, like new year, new you. And they do it on January 1st or something. And they wait all year until they update it. I think you should make changes to it, have the macro goals, but also have micro goals in there. And so you can update that part. So you're interactive with it. What we did with that company is we had a digital vision board, which is still around. So that way you can update it quickly and seamlessly. And so you can like go back to it and stuff. I don't know. That's, that's probably the best advice I would give you because it's too creative of a process, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, that's how my, it's funny. I have a, my only vision board is actually the background of my cell phone. Um, (laughs) I created it online and then I made it the background of my cell phone. So I, like I look at it, I see it all the time. I actually think that what you're saying is super relevant because I think anything that we look at constantly actually gets almost like diluted. Yeah. You know, if you put a beautiful vision board up and you put it on your wall and let's say you wake up every morning and you see it. Yeah. It might be seeping into your subconscious. And there's a part where we stop seeing the thing that we see every day. You know, we start to take for granted the things that we see every day. And I love your point of like, hey, update it, adjust it, keep it moving, because then it doesn't get, it doesn't become an automatic autopilot. Just look it over because you see it all the time. Yep, I would agree. I would agree there. What about, and then law of attraction. Um, You know, one of the things that I've talked about, my mentors always bring up is um, we can't just think about things that we want. And have hope that they show up. That's wishful thinking or, or just a wish. It actually, and I think it's one of the things that people point out that like the secret didn't talk about. Secret talks about a lot of like aligning your energy, thinking about, but they don't talk about a lot of the action, which kind yeah. of, you can't just sit, there's always, I, I'm sure you've heard the joke, like you can't sit on the couch and eat a sandwich and just think <laughs> about stuff. Um, I, you yeah. know, maybe if you're really powerful, but for most of us, we're going to have to do something. Um, and you, you're like a doer. I mean, you, you clearly align your energy with your action. Yeah, uh, but I want to, I want to, I want to preface something though, because I've always been a doer, hard worker, whatever you can say. But I was also, there's something to be said about working smart and doing inspired mm-hmm. actions. And so I, I want to advocate too that like doing is phenomenal and it makes it is true. But without that formula, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I love movies, okay. And the thing that I look for in a movie. Sometimes you have bad cast, but if the story is amazing, then the foundation of the movie set and the, and the actions will likely make that film good. But if you keep, you could be the greatest actor, but if the story is just horrible, then the movie's just going to suck. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was, it's funny. I was, I had a, just had a conversation about, you know, we're post Super Bowl, and, and I've had two people say to me, I mean, Tom Brady didn't play that great of a game. Oh, don't get me and started it, on that, well, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> outside of myself, I went, yeah, but he didn't mess it up. Like sometimes your job as a quarterback is to not mess it up, right? Like have the, your intention is to win. Sometimes winning is just actually doing, you know, the, the most basic, sometimes simple is actually what works and what wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. No doubt. I like that, man. And to your point, I mean, I see it the same in the story, right? Like, hey, he's the foundation. The foundation was solid. It didn't screw up. And, you know, there's a lot of that. Like, so you're saying the foundation of law of attraction or is, or the foundation of any goal or vision is your intention or the way, the way you put your mind and your energy. And then your action basically just backs that up. Pretty much. I mean, and that's why I think even when I was talking about these up and down spirals is because I was go, go, going, but I didn't have that strong foundation. Like I think mindfulness is the center of all proper law of attraction, which you can get to, but I was putting out the 
action part, but I wasn't doing a truly inspired part because the mindfulness part or the visioning or vision boarding in a way wasn't there fully. What did all this, like the mind, you know, you, you're, you're obviously much more into mindfulness now as a meditation coach, Yep. what you're doing with mentorship, you're talking about law of attraction, vision boarding. What was your, like growing up, childhood like were you taught this by your family your parents no i i I wasn't um so i think there's three kinds of parents it doesn't matter what race or ethnicity i should say you have or how you were raised you know whether you know you had straight parents or uh, same-sex parents or you know adoption parents whatever it is i think there's three types of parents i think there's conservative i think there's moderate and i think there's like the total friend parent you know the kind of like the hippie parents right and i had (laughs) I had the moderate parent, like I had conservative in some ways, but I also had, Hey, like just live your life. Enjoy. And I think the best thing my parents did for me. So I'm, my parents are both Indian. My parents exposed me to Indian culture, but they didn't like push it down my throat. They're like, check it out. This is, this is your roots from India, you know? And they also said, but you're also American because I was born here. So they let me like expose both. And I'm the type of personality where if you expose me to something and share with me something, but you don't force it on me, then like I'm more likely to take interest. And so through that, I just took an interest with um, the single, still my single greatest book that I read, everyone from Thoreau to Mahatma Gandhi to, you know, very, well, Emerson has even quoted this book. And I'm not pushing any specific religion or faith when I say it. I'm just stating the fact that these all people shared it was the Bhagavad Gita. And I remember reading this book at like 13 years old and it's just a journey about a charioter who's about to fight a battle and he sees people that he loves and cares about and he's having a guilt, he's feeling guilty about it. And the charioter, the person who's riding the chariot um, is, is, a, is a God incarnation and they have a conversation about righteous and responsibility and seeing your path. I remember reading that book at like 13, 14 and I was like, okay, I've never been more clear headed in my life. I reached a point a few years ago where around that time, which I mentioned where I was going to this decline and somehow the book reappeared. And once I started reading that book, a lot of my like connecting with spirituality and mindfulness, not religious specifically, just spirituality and mindfulness just connected. And that kind of started the journey and I can go further as you, I'm sure you have more questions. Well, man, I mean, so you, so I've, I've never read, uh, the Gita before I have tried, um, I very much want to, and I think I haven't found the right uh, translation. Um, you, you know what you should read on. So I, I actually agree with you. The Gita has been translated by like hundreds, yeah. if not thousands of authors. And I could send you a couple that I've read outside. I mean, there's one that I like, but I've read other versions just to see what it's like. And they're all good. They're all people sharing their passion. Yeah, I think what's impressive too is that you like just at the age that you read it. Yeah. Um is really impressive that you read it, you took it in. You know, I think we all hit Have you ever read uh, Conversations with God? Of course. Okay, so Conversations with God is my favorite book ever and I I try to read it every year. I just finished it um just recently, but I read it when I was in my 20s. I don't even know how it ended up in my lap in my early 20s. And I remember reading it and got nothing from it. I mean, like, like I read it and was like, what is this? Like just totally pat. But when I, things stuck and I think that they were like seeds, you know, that, that just needed time to bloom. I, it wasn't yeah. the right time for me. Um, and it sounds like there's something similar there is like you read it. It actually did like land, but then when you really needed it, it actually came back. Yeah. And I think, you know, weird, crazy way it's law of attraction, Gita version. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> no, that's really, I mean, I think there's so much people can take from that. Like, you know, we can't, sometimes we can't force stuff. Yeah. There's, there's, there's time, like, t- I don't want to say timing is everything. Cause I don't, I don't I think that anything is everything, but there's something to say about, you know, the right things come across our, our, our laps or, you know, our, our minds at the right times and we have to be open to it. Uh, Yeah. That's a good point. I agree with that. What, um, what do you, what are kind of the big, you know, what are you working on now that you don't, that maybe you, you wouldn't have been ready to take on or that you wouldn't have been able to take on without this 
you know, the energy work you're doing, the spiritual work you're doing, like, what is this setting you up to, to achieve or accomplish? Man, I love that question because if you asked me that question a few years back, it would be different than this question. Like a lot of these other questions that you and I might have a conversation about, you can probably see some, some similarities, but that question, man, it's totally different. And I'll tell you the answer. Cause I actually, uh, I thought you would actually ask me that today, uh, prior to this interview. So the last 10 to 12 years that I've been doing things in the entrepreneur side and consulting side, and even with my radio show and things has made me realize, like I mentioned earlier, that the mindfulness and centeredness is like essential to be the foundation, whether it's taking action, whether it's law of attraction, whether it's, you know, pursuing some path or whether it's like changing yourself, um, seeing things as growth, not failures, et cetera, et cetera. I realize that there's so many people out there that are creators, leaders, business owners, uh, influencers who could could learn how to tap into that mindfulness better. So I'm actually really focused right now on creating media right now to share real life examples of successful people in those arenas and how they've used mindfulness to become more successful, increase their hustle, as, as I would bluntly say, um, because I think the more mindfulness and centered you are, uh, you actually will do better with your job. You'll perform better. You'll work smarter. You'll be more efficient. You'll actually give a better customer experience, et cetera. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm building that media. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, um, you know, various workshops on how mindfulness can help you as a business owner. Uh, I'm actually developing a, uh, a pop-up shop model for various meditation classes, which will launch this spring, which is like less than a couple months from now. So, I'm all boarded. And if I didn't go through these last, these trials and tribulations, uh, the good times, the growing times, what I thought were bad times, I wouldn't be in this state right now. But I think this life purpose is like the biggest thing that's going to happen for my life at this moment. I had somebody recently ask me, like, what was mindfulness? I don't remember. I think, I think it was on someone else's podcast, but I don't, but I had never been asked that before. And I, I tell people, hey, I'm a performance and mindfulness coach. And I think they go together. I don't think either I'm like right there with you. Like if you are mindful and you practice mindfulness, you will perform better. And if you perform better, you're inadvertently more, you likely are more mindful. Um, They, they, they have to be to me, they have to be uh, in cahoots basically. Um, But how do you describe mindfulness? Yeah. I think mindfulness for me is really connecting with your center. Um, yeah, that's it. When you're mindful and you're connecting with that center inside side of yourself, you're more present, you're more clear, whether you want to perform better, whether you want to, you know, do some amazing writing or whether you want to like work smarter, as I like to call it, or do inspired actions or be more confident in your decision. I think that all is attributes of being in that mindful state. And then what are ways that you teach or practice mindfulness. So I think the tool to you to the tool to achieve I feel mindfulness when able is through meditation. And meditation is a tool of mindfulness. It's also its own form, its own thing, but one of the attributes of meditation is that it gets you to become mindful. And when you're more and when in meditation, uh the thing I would say about that is it's sort of like your Gita, you know, version we talked about. There's different versions or, you know, there's different versions of anything as long as the, you know, intent is the same, it's all good. Um, there's guided meditation, which is that inspirational based audio voice often or music, ambient music. There is still based meditation, the, the, the original Buddhist meditation, you know, where you close your mind, your eyes, and you just connect with that stillness. Then there's, you know, flow state meditation, which is often in a flow, in a conversation. Like I've done various conversations or talks or interviews, and I, I, I feel like I just channeled something and I just was, it just did not realize how fast time flew. And, um, there's that other form of flow meditation, which is like doing some type of sport activity. Um, you know, hit cardio and swimming. I often find after I do them, I'm in this flow state or mindful state that I don't, I sometimes even my own meditation can't give me. Yeah. I think sometimes music too can do it. Not all, maybe all types of music, but certain yeah. types of music. I think especially if you can get, I've been using, um, like orchestra style music nice to um to write and uh 
put it on, you know, I'll, I'll find, I actually, one of my favorites is like the last of the Mohican soundtrack. <laughs> you know what mine is? Um, gladiator and 300 movie. Okay. Uh, one of my other ones is the, the theme song from inception. Okay. That's a good one. And, and I put these, yeah, I, I, all these, I mean, I, I can picture gladiators music too, right? They, there's something about it that when you put it on, it almost feels like it's expanding your mind. Like it's yeah. pulling it and stretching it out. Um, I love that that you tied mindfulness to activities too, because I know that like yoga is a is a way to practice mindfulness, very mind body, um, and I think some people it's not for like I go to a, I go to the gym also, but like I don't feel it when I'm in the gym, but I know that there are plenty of people that when they are lifting weights they get so in the zone that who who am I to not say that it's mind they're not being mindful. So this is just my opinion, but yeah. and I'm not a I'm not a certified fitness nutritionist or own a gym or a health practitioner, quote unquote, from a licensing standpoint. But in my opinion, one of the most mindful types of exercises you can do is like swimming, because a the water already calms you. Two, mm-hmm. often you don't swim with music or any sound, so it's like a still based act factor. And number three, um, it's a full body, so it, I truly believe it takes actually your mind, body, and soul, because it, it, because you incorporate the breath and you incorporate the visualization, it's a true sport. And, uh, and that does all those three aspects. And when you can satisfy the mind, body, soul aspects of yourself, then I think you get that mindful state faster than, than, than later. That's interesting. I've never thought about it with swimming, but as you say it, I'm like picturing myself swim and you have to be so present. Yep. You know, when we're, when we're on land, you know, playing a sport, we're going to be breathing. We might hold our breath at times and whatnot, but like when you're swimming, you, there's a, especially if you're swimming correctly, there's a conscious rhythm to your breath. Yeah. Conscious rhythm to your, your stroke. There's a con like everything you do. It's a really cool point. I've never thought about that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know I do a lot of yoga and I find that I hold my breath all the time. No, yeah, obviously, you know, breath work is the most essential thing for any mindful activity, any fitness activity, any just, you know, getting yourself in that zone activity. I mean, breath is everything it is. I mean, think about it. It's the number one nutrient that you put inside your body inside and out is breath, not water, breath, your oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're the only thing you're not drinking water all day long, every yeah. day, 24 hours a day. You don't drink water when you're asleep. Yeah. You still breathe, though. That's interesting. Um. Do you teach people how to breathe better, like how to do breath work? I do. I do. So um, I'm fortunate that uh, I understood the power of breath even when like I – even before a lot of what I'm sharing with you right now. And so I've you know made it a conscious effort to better understand the breath work, the breath practices, even myself, um, how I've used it to handle uh, situations. But everything – breath comes from everything. Like everything comes from breath, I should say, like the way you act, the way you move, even how you work out and stuff. Are there any like tips or, you know, places people can go to like learn, you know, to, to breathe better, why this would help them, you know, as a, as a practice, I, most people that, you know, show up and wanting to work with me are successful. They, but one of the common things is they're like, no matter how much they do, there's always more, there's levels of anxiety that, you know, is not a clinical anxiety, but like an everyday regular human anxiety. And a lot of stuff we talk about is breathing and meditation and mindfulness. You know, for me, the advice I would suggest for them is um, just breathe enough until you can not feel stressed. So that's why I can't give you a number. Like, you know, I know some people who say six times you should do the breath. I know some people who say breathe in and out through your nostril like 10 times. You know, there's the Wim Hof method it's kind of like meditation and yoga. Like there's, there's one, there's, there's different forms for different people and there's different ways you can do it. So what I would say is focus on the foundation aspect. What is the intent behind doing this breath exercise is like do it enough times until like you don't feel stressed. That's what I would say. Nice. So which could be different lengths for, for some it could be six, some it could be three, some it could be a minute, but listen, if they don't do that and they don't clear it out, they're going to have a crappy experience with you and other people. I don't know if you have any experience with this, but I've just been like hearing a lot about it. What do you, what's your take on, um, 
uh, I don't even know the word to use. Um, uh, I'm basically thinking of things like mushrooms and ayahuasca and, and drugs of that sort as a way to connect more deeply with ourselves spiritually. And I, I don't even know if you have any experience in this. I just kind of can't give me an example. Give me an example, please. Um, well, like people do, you know, it's, it's become more and more prevalent where people are doing things to enhance their spiritual experience, to become more mindful, to get to know themselves on a deeper level. So people are using, um, uh, I, I, I don't know the, the categorization, but drugs like, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, you know, mushrooms, ayahuasca, a lot of things are doing being done in ceremony. Do you have, do you have thoughts or opinions on, on that? You know, it's funny because I, the whole aspect of mindfulness is to be less judgmental. Yet we as humans are are built to do <laughs> judging or judgmental. It's it's a very big contradiction, I guess, or big foul. It's a big, you know, a back and forth debate that we all can have. Like, but humans are judgmental, judge, you know, in nature, but being mindful means you can't, you gotta be judged, you can't be as judgmental. So it's kind of like meditation. It's kind of like breath where I would say um, it's up to you if you feel that's what's needed. But I will say this, you don't need it to do mindfulness, but I'm not saying though that you don't have to do it. It's up to you, but you don't, you absolutely don't need it. But if you want to do it, it's your option. And from that point, I don't judge you, but you don't need it to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, it wasn't made only to do that you know like it came later or it came by some people but fundamentally if there was none none of those things in the world and you wanted to do mindfulness activities you still can it might be hard for you because you're used to that style but it can be done what's the biggest things that have changed in your life the more and more mindful you've become like not just in business but outside of it that less is more so I like the idea that something can help my mind, body, and soul because it's, that's just – that's like three things. But if it, it was going to be more than three benefits, it would be complicated as an example. So find what is really simple for you in the sense that you know complication leads to stress. And so when I realized that, um, I try to live my life that's less stressful. It's not about working more, working less – it's more about, does this, will this bring stress into my life? So instead of looking at like, will this investment make me fundamentally financially wealthy in five, 10 years? It's like, well, will this make my stress levels go up in five to 10 years? Does that make sense? It does. Doesn't, um, it makes sense. And I'm curious, like what it would have us avoid too, because there's a lot of great things in life that, you know, there's a lot of scary, great things that we put a lot, that there's a lot of risk or stress around. But I wonder what it what it might have you avoid if you're trying to avoid stress. Okay, so I'm not obsessed with like trying to live for like two thousand years, like Dave Asprey. <laughs> Just totally fine. Um, you want to hack yeah. your body and and do that? I hey, that's cool. Our whole life is built on science. So I'm giving you that disclaimer because what I'm about to tell you, I want you to know that it's not related to that. When I say stress, less stress, I want to be as happy as possible while I'm living in this world. And if activities externally can make me happy, but inside they can make me feel guilty or feel more stressful or it can harm others or it can create a lack of a foundation which would come at me later, it's not worth it. Okay. I get that. That makes sense. Um would it, I love, I mean, there's a lot, you're actually bringing up like a lot of things that I think a lot about. So I love like having this riff and kind of just bounce things off you without, without judgment, without agreeing or disagreeing, but just really hear another person's thoughts on it. Cause you're, you know, you, I've been thinking a lot about with myself. I used to always say, I just want to be happy. Like, that's all I want. I just want to be happy. And I've recently been thinking a lot about if that's my, my goal, I'm, I ultimately, and this is personal, right? This is me that I've been questioning is I'm actually setting myself up to, to create a losing game because I think happiness is a feeling. I can't control my feelings. They show up and I can, I can choose who I'm going to be about things. I can choose who I, how I'm going to react to things, but feelings are, you know, like clouds in the sky. They just kind of come and they go. And happiness is a feeling. How do you, if happiness is the goal, how do you 
play that game with yourself where there's times where you just wake up and you're not happy. So the, one of the ultimate gifts of the human mind is self-awareness. So when you, the more you can master self-awareness, which you'll never be hundred percent at, it's like one of those things where you just keep getting better and better at it endlessly. The more you can be self-aware to notice that, okay, I'm not in the best state. Um, what can I do to get out of it? And once you get out of it, you'll more likely get out of that state sooner because of that bad situation. And then you'll feel happy at the end. Or if you know, it's going to be a lot of pain and sadness and you know, it's going to take a while, then just, be patient and tell yourself, well, I already know this is going to happen. Let me just endure it. And then you could be happy afterwards for growing from it. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I'm thinking about it from a, from still questioning. Um, yeah. Cause I hear you saying, Hey, be with what shows up, right? If you're, if something happens and you are sad, be with the sadness. You don't have to rush. To, like, I don't want to be sad. I'm just going to be happy. Um, Cause I, cause I might look at that and say, Hey, that's not actually the human experience. Like sadness is part of the human experience. Joy yeah, that's true. Um, but, but what I heard you just say is, Hey, like be with it. And on the other side of the sadness is happiness again, which isn't a full on avoid it's be with. And then you actually get to come back, which kind of reminds me of little kids. You know, if we watch little kids, they cycle through their emotions really fast, right? They get angry and then like five minutes later, they're playing and they're the happiest kids in the world again. And then something happens, they get sad or upset. And then five minutes later, they're happy again. <laughs> they don't sit and like we do as people, right? Like you or yeah. I get angry about something and we stew in it and we start blaming other people. And I don't mean you or me like specifically, but as humans, we make all this meaning out of it instead of just like letting being in it, letting it pass and then moving back to, you know, maybe our natural state, which maybe our natural state is happiness or joy or, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what our, I don't, I don't know what our natural state is, but it could be that. I think you're right. I think you, I, I think you, you, you followed up my answer with an additional answer to make the whole answer complete. So I love it, man. <laughs> nice. Um, as an, as an entrepreneur, as a someone who's building, who has built some things and is building, you know, this company, Youngry, who is working to help other people who, you know, you, you described Youngry before as having, you know, different levels um, from mentorship to connection to events, becoming an app. What do you see like for yourself? Like what's a layer that you need to peel off of yourself to, to really be, as successful as you want to be and success is obviously your determination of what that means. But I think for the first time in a long time, I'm not trying to create some specific goal. I'm more just trying to say, am I living this purpose, which is helping transform lives to be, you know, better. And, you know, do, focusing on areas like the mentorship, which we're doing with Youngry and then my own personal brand with the mindfulness kind of media that I just mentioned um, if I can be doing that, then, um, I'm on a, I'm on a clear path, not get distracted. Then I'm, then I'm okay. What's the thing that takes you out? Like you said, not get distracted. Where do you get distracted? That I think you... it's when I'm out of sync, you know, if you, if you just try to, um, you know, if I don't have a balance in my life, like, you know, if I'm not doing the proper meditation work or if I'm just like, you know, over adding, eating a lot of acidic foods constantly, not sleeping well, you know, stuff like that, then my body won't be in a good uh, state. And then performing on that level instead of resting and recharging and taking a step back um, is what you should be doing. That's what I mean by that. Okay. Who do you think would, you know, are there industries or people that you would love to bring mindfulness to? that you think would just make a huge difference? I think every politician in our country needs to meditate. <laughs> I don't care what side yeah. you are. I don't care what party, who you are about. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine if all the presidential candidates just meditated before they answered questions? <laughs> wow. We would actually, I would actually watch the news again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Uh, I'm serious. Fair I think people that yeah. live in their head, um, they're just driven by like, they let the outer world control their inner world all the time. I think those people need to realize that it's not always like that. It's also your inner can create your outer. Those types of people should be meditating. 
that's, so I'm not going to say anyone specific, but that type of person, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Do you think this is happening? Do you think there's a shift? Cause I think in our, in the, in the, in the areas that you play in the areas that I play in, you know, certain areas of the country specifically more so than others, but do you think there's a shift going on overall or do you think it's really localized? I think there's a shift. Um, I'm not going to tell you there's like some, you know, vortex or some like sphere <laughs> of light or, you know, flowers are coming everywhere. I don't know about that. <laughs> but what I'm going to say though, is that I like the fact that a lot of people are focused on like positive vibes, like this hashtag, you know, positive vibes only, or, you know, you know, good times, or I'd rather like, you know, build meaningful conversations instead of just trying to be, you know, DMing everyone or being on social media all the time. I think there's people like that. And I also think there's people who are completely opposite everything I just said. So I think it's polarizing, but at the same time, there's still growth in the positive side, which is what I'm a fat form of. And for me, you know what? Um, I think, you'll. I think when people can just let people be and, you know, ask themselves, you know, like, are they living a good purpose? Are they not harming anyone? Then let them be. I think that's when you'll see this more peak in our society. But for now, I think it's forming and I'm happy about it. I love the fact that meditation, mindfulness, yoga, and these types of aspects are culturalists in many ways, which is what it was meant to be. It wasn't meant to be one type of culture, one type of person, one type of thinking. So one type of religion. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, like, I didn't know the answer to that question. Um, but I was thinking about it as I was listening to you answer. And when you just said the yoga thing, I was like, you know what? There's a, I don't know if this shift is conscious or unconscious, but I do know that there's way more yoga studios than there's ever been. Yep. And even if you don't go to yoga for mindfulness, it's like, I don't know. It's like not eating a salad for health. There's a benefit. You might like the way the salad tastes, but it's also good for you. Yeah. And you might go to yoga just for the exercise, but there's some other benefits that, that are impacting you, whether you're going for them or not. Um, And, and same thing, I'm thinking about like meditation, you know, when you were describing all the different ways, you know, meditation 10 years ago, nobody talked about meditation. Everybody's talking about meditation now. Yeah. What's, um, What's the thing that you, you know, is there something that you are want for yourself, want for your life that still scares you um, that is going to require, you know, you to just kind of access even more deeper and deeper levels of yourself to be able to accomplish? I think I don't have, I don't believe I have this right now, but I would say that not tapping into my curious nature and not, not living purposeful, but being external driven, that would be a fear of mine where I just have to work to just, you know, fill some outer void, but not really tapping into what I'm meant to do. Um, yeah. That would scare me. I don't feel I'm doing that right now. Hopefully I'm not. Um, I will see, but um, I definitely am. That'd be my fear. Otherwise, you know, that would be it, I guess. You know, I, I just thought of this. How does this impact relationships? What's your, since you've gone on this journey, since you're building these companies, as you've changed, you know, and transformed your life, how has this impacted your, you know, your relationships with your family, your friends, you know, I, I don't know, are you, you know, dating, single, married, like, how has it impacted all the, the kind of range of relationships in your life? You know, out of respect for some people in the past and out of respect for people who have helped me grow what I'll say is that um, I truly value every relationship I've had in the past because the ones that have made me happier have helped shape me into staying happy and more positive and keeping the journey. The other ones that have, you know, made me shook a little or made me, you know, get affected. I honor them because they taught me what I want and what I don't want. And so um, I think it's not, you know, when you brought up that question about, you know, do you think there's a shift going on earlier? I think the biggest shift you're seeing is in what people are looking for in relationships. I think people are looking for like more kind of like the polarizing thing where it's like, they're looking for very specific things. Like they have to be this faith or they have to be like these types of views. They have to be like that in a way that's, 
in a way that could be questionable because it's judgmental, but at the same time, it's like they're confident in what they want and it's part, and maybe it's tied to their purpose. So I respect that. So I would say now I'm looking for things that are like more along the lines of those more purposeful type of things, less of the external type of things, if that makes sense. It does. So it's shifted who you like look for. for sure. For sure. Yeah. What about like family? Has it, have you, have you, you know, yeah. I know for me, I always, one of my biggest things since I, I want to say practice mindfulness, started meditating, worked at personal development, that my relationships with my family, especially my parents has really grown and expanded and there's become a lot more space for compassion with them. Nice. Yeah, I would say the same. As I get older, I'm more grateful for my family. I'm more grateful mm -hmm. for the environment they gave me. I do a lot of guided meditations and they always talk about what are some things that you're mindful for and always off. It's always my family. So definitely. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, so if people want to, you know, learn more about what you're up to, what are the like best ways for them to find you, track you down, ask you questions, you know, what, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. I'm pretty accessible on, um, social. It's Ash Kumra, A S H K U M R A on my Instagram. Um, I'm really connecting with Instagram right now because I'm starting to see it beyond just, you know, social media content. I'm seeing it more as like a communication tool and also interacting with like really just creative individuals from all around the world. So really connect with me on Instagram, A-S-H-K-U-M-R-A. I'm probably the most active on that. And outside of that, um, you want to learn about me, A-S-H-K-U-M-R-A.com. You can find out more about me. You can also see a section on my meditation programs and stuff, which I'm really, really just excited about. And I'm very grateful they let me share that in this conversation. But yeah, that's the best way to connect with me. Nice. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, um, thanks for sharing your journey, your story, um, like really your, your sense of purpose. Uh, I, what I really appreciate is just the openness, like the, the honesty about, Hey, what works for me? And I, and I think you, you know, you shared a lot of things like, Hey, this, this idea of like, I just want to be happy, which you just like really put yourself out there. You're open, you're vulnerable. And what I get is like, hey, you're not afraid to do you and be you, regardless of, you know, what other people think or say, um, good or bad, but you're just doing you and, um, and that's awesome. And it's really nice to see. Thanks for bringing that here. Oh, thank you, brother. And I appreciate you because um, I'm just a person who is on this ship, which you are piloting and you're sharing this ship with other people. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.